Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julia's Bears Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 22nd of September, and my name is Helen Freer. So we've almost reached the end of a busy central bank week. On today's show, I'll be talking about this and more market news with my colleague, Mike Rauber. Then I'll get our usual update on currencies and metals from Tim Gagey. And then I'm going to be asking Carsten Menke what's going on in the gold market. But let's start with the market news. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Helen. So we've talked about central banks quite a lot already. What was the main message, would you say, Mike, this week? So yes, Helen, uh, central banks really stressed that there was no room for complacency on the inflation front, even though inflation is trending lower and they acknowledge this. And this really means that central banks reiterated the importance of monetary policy remaining restrictive and so interest rates high, even uh, though not all central banks raised uh, rates this week. So as a consequence, there was really a steep increase in bond yields in Western markets. So for example, the 10-year US Treasury yield is now around or just in early Asia trading was above 4.5%, its highest since 2007. And this is really weighing on equities uh, for example, 11, all 11 sectors in the S&P 500 fell yesterday, and this benchmark index is now 6% below its early August high. But taking a close look, uh, two things really stand out. First, defensive sectors like healthcare are holding up better. And like, like last year when bond yields rose, the current sell-off is much harsher on unprofitable companies. So at the moment for equity investors, it is really about sticking to this quality profitable companies. And of course, the economic situation is different in different countries. So central banks are facing quite different issues, right? Absolutely. So the US is really showing strength. Just yesterday, unemployment benefit applications came in at their lowest since January. And so already on Wednesday, the US Federal Reserve signaled its willingness to raise rates one more time this year. And of course, the massive budget deficit helped the economy but also mean more bonds coming to the market, driving yields higher. Now, of course, if we look at Europe, on the other hand, uh, the picture there is much more challenging for central banks, I believe. And one could argue, I think, that the pendulum is slowly swinging from one of primarily or only inflation to now also growth concerns. And actually, uh, today we'll get a very good take on the state of the European and the U.S. economies with the release of the purchasing manufacturing indices. The question there will be whether the services sector can hold up amid weakness in manufacturing or not. And yesterday we saw a couple of surprises in terms of interest rate decisions, right? Yes, the Bank of England and the Swiss National Bank, they both opted not to raise rates. But uh, I believe Tim will speak about them in detail afterwards, so I leave it in his good hands to add from me UK retail sales just reported uh, at the top of the hour rose on the month, but at a plus 0.4%, they were a little less than expected. And Turkey, of course, Turkey's in a totally different cycle, but it raised its rates by 5% to 30%, and the market still didn't like it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they were not amused, as one could say. The Turkish lira dropped to, the, to a new low against the US dollar. Look, while 30% uh, sounds like a lot, inflation there is 60%. And so it is really not that attractive to hold deposits in Turkish lira. 
This means really the investors want to see much higher rates until they can show some love for the Turkish lira. And just lastly on central banks, the Bank of Japan had its meeting today and it didn't change its monetary policy. Yes, and the Bank of Japan reiterated that inflation is actually moving lower. Uh, even as it just reported, uh, or even as it was reported, uh, that inflation is still above 3%. Now, the Japanese yen is weaker on this at 148 uh, against the US dollar. And within a sea of red in global equity markets, China equities are up today by around 1% when I last looked. What's the news there? Yeah, the reports out there that the government published a draft rule that sets to loosen its capital controls in Shanghai and Beijing. Foreign investors would be able to freely transfer investment-related funds in or out of China without delay. Although, uh, of course, the, 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 the devil always is in the details. But, but this is giving uh, today hope that government, the government in China is intent on improving the investment climate for foreigners. Okay, thanks, Mike. And any other news to highlight before we move on? Yes, a few actually. So JP Morgan will add India's sovereign debt to its benchmark emerging market index, a move expected to lead to $30 billion in inflow. And this clearly furthers the case for Indian assets as an alternative to China, which uh, some are making the case. Now, oil is, was supported yesterday by news that Russia would ban export of diesel fuel uh, and gasoline. And Chevron and labor unions reached an agreement to end strikes at natural gas facilities in Australia. The, the threat of strike action had roiled global markets for the fuel. And lastly, the China challenges and the higher US bond yields I mentioned, they really seem too much for emerging market equities, which after declines this week are now around flat. Okay, so it looks quite bleak out there for markets then. Uh, it may seem so, but uh, actually, besides Chinese stocks up uh, this Friday morning, U.S. equity futures also turned positive in the last half an hour. So good luck out there. Back to you, Helen. Great. Thanks very much, Mike, for the interesting roundup this morning. And now, Tim, over to you. Good morning, firstly. Good morning, Helen. So it has been quite a roller coaster of a week with all the central banks. What about in FX markets? Was it a roller coaster for you? Yeah, sort of. I guess the main difference would be that uh, roller coasters go up and down, uh, in my experience, whereas this week it just felt like down, down, down. Unless you were long dollars, in which case gravity no longer applied to you. The Fed was indeed something of a hawkish hold, seems like about a fortnight ago. I'm not sure I heard anything very new, but they have bought themselves some time in terms of when they might start cutting. Has certainly been pushed a long way back and US yields also seem to be heading quite aggressively higher and everything rather seemed to align itself for a stronger dollar, which is what we got. One thing I found a bit interesting was it, it was quite specific in terms of where this strength showed itself. All the commodity currencies, Aussie, Kiwi, Canadian dollars, even the Norwegian krona, which is recently rather unloved, are basically unchanged on the week. So the dollar buying was less generic and more targeted, which I guess leads us to what happened yesterday. Exactly. So a couple of big shocks yesterday. Which was more surprising to you and which do you think has more long-term impact? That is an excellent question, Helen, he said, playing for time. Um, of the two, I think the Swiss National Bank was probably more surprising in the moment, but also more understandable. You look at the Swiss economy, of course, even now the Swiss franc is actually the best performing currency outside of a few emerging market currencies, despite such low yields. So in this environment, with inflation so low here, really, what is the point of a hike? 
But the market seemed to be unprepared. The Swiss franc came off hard, although it has recovered somewhat and actually is still pretty much around similar levels against the euro and the pound. The Bank of England, on the other hand, probabilities there had shifted quite quickly since the UK CPI. So it was clear that a hike was uncertain. But really, inflation is still nearly 7%. And I was quite shocked that they did nothing. It was a tight 5 to 4 vote. So a future hike is definitely not off the table, even if not much is now priced in. But the pound was hammered. And July's uh, over 132 print and cable really seems a long, long way away. I am, as people probably expect, still pretty positive on the pound. I think these will eventually look like great levels to buy some pounds, especially against euros and Swiss francs, but also even against the dollar. Okay. And any word on this morning's Bank of Japan meeting? Oh, next question. No, I'm half joking, but only half. So far, an absolute non-event. And really, what is there to say? The Bank of Japan are on a different planet to everyone else. And my only advice on the yen is just to steer completely clear as best you can. That's what we've tried to do for a while now. It's too cheap to short and too expensive in terms of yield give up too long. So yeah, um, just steer clear. And actually, yes, I think uh, next question, please, Helen. <laughs> okay, so what about precious metals during all this fun and games? Yeah, remarkably firm. It's a head scratcher to me, actually, that the pound, with an interest differential, interest rate differential, sorry, of zero against the dollar, drops so sharply after the Bank of England do not hike, while gold, with a negative interest rate differential of about 5% with the dollar, just holds firm where it is in the face of all this dollar strength. Looking forward to hearing Carsten's view on it all. For what it's worth, I would still rather be a seller on rallies, perhaps above 1950 for those who are long, but I am both surprised and impressed by its resilience this week. Platinum found excellent support earlier on at 900, and the range of 900 to 1100 is still one I think it makes sense to play, still via derivatives, that is to say, selling options, doing reverse convertibles, when we get near to either side of the range. And to finish then, the $64,000 question, Tim, what do we do now? If you are the happy owner of dollars, then after such a good few weeks, it probably makes sense to look at taking some profits. I do recognize this is not the first time I have said this on this podcast recently. I still love, love, love being long sterling against Swiss francs. Even after all yesterday's noise and excitement, we are still around 111, basically where we were before, and the carry is still 4% in your favor. There is no such thing as easy money, but it is unusual for carry to be so generous as compared to the range of the currency pair. I quite like the look of short euros against sterling as well. Again, a little pickup of yield in your favor, maybe better through a reverse convertible. And lastly, obviously, if you are short dollars, then I think patience is required. I am not yet ready to throw in the towel just yet. But what I would say is it is perhaps better to trim a losing position now and give yourself some buffer than to get forced out if it all goes off a cliff. So everyone should take a very close look at their leverage if it's there and make sure they can afford to absorb some further losses because it's a shame to get forced out and then see the recovery but not be able to participate in it. So with that, thank you very much, Helen, and I wish both you and our faithful listeners a profitable Friday and an excellent weekend. Great. Thank you very much, Tim. Good to hear your latest thoughts. Now, Carsten, thank you for joining us as well. Good morning. Good morning, Helen. So before we get to the main topic in the gold market this week, which is the US Federal Reserve meeting, let's look at Asia. Gold prices in China and Japan have reached record highs recently. What do you think is behind these moves? 
Well, the common denominator behind the record highs in both China and Japan is a weak domestic currency. Gold is always priced in US dollars, as we know, and when converted into either Chinese yuan or Japanese yen, local investors reap an additional return from the depreciation of their own currency versus the US dollar. To illustrate this point, thus far this year, gold is up 5.3% in US dollars, but 11.5% in Chinese yuan and 18.5% in Japanese yen. The difference to the US dollar return is due to the currency impact. And what about demand in China and Japan? Aren't we seeing a pickup there? In Japan, investors are facing inflation for the first time in decades. And in China, we know there are these deeply rooted problems in the property market. Yes, there is, there is a pickup in demand uh, indeed. That said, Japanese investors, they don't have any relationship to gold. They have been sellers of gold for many, many years. And developing a new relationship with gold will take time, in my view. Certainly, the Japanese gold investors don't move the gold market at the moment. For China, it's different. So gold is one of the few assets which is available domestically next to equities, bonds, and of course, also property. And as we know, none of these is performing very well at the moment. And some investors clearly have the desire to shift some of their assets out of the Chinese yuan, which explains why gold demand has picked up in China. But again, I don't think this is to the magnitude that it would move the gold market. Despite these developments, gold is down over the last few days, in particular since the Fed meeting. It Mm. seems like the market didn't focus on the pause, but rather on the outlook for higher for longer interest rates. Yeah. um, I mean, Tim mentioned it before, right? We're still above uh, the 1900 level, which is is remarkable indeed. Um, I think that the focus of the gold market is firmly on the longer term projection of US interest rates. And this is what caused the fall in prices after the Fed meeting. Um, If we look at the market, I think it still expects a bit of a reversal of monetary policy or a bit of a rapid reversal of monetary policy, which we don't agree with. Uh, We're actually on the same page as the Fed, expecting interest rates to remain high well into next year. Why is that? Well, because the US economy can handle them without slipping into recession. What does this mean for gold then? No recession and interest rates staying higher for longer? Well, firstly, no recession means fading safe haven demand. The past has shown that investors leave the gold market in good times and they come back only in bad times. We're in good times at the moment. Higher for longer interest rates secondly mean that safe haven seekers find attractive alternatives in U.S. treasuries, which are keeping them away from the gold market. And then there's a third element as well, uh, a read across in terms of the U.S. banking stress, which rattled financial markets earlier this year. The fact that the U.S. economy remains resilient despite high interest rates also means that the banks have adjusted and that the fears of systemic stress, which have lifted gold earlier this year, are unlikely to materialize. That said, gold is still trading quite a bit higher than before the banking stress. And this price premium should disappear sooner rather than later, in our view. Okay, doesn't sound too optimistic then. It does. Uh, This is all good news for the global economy and thus risky assets, which constitutes the lion's share of most portfolios. But you're right, we're not very optimistic about gold at the moment. There is more downside than upside in our view, and that's why we remain cautious.
Okay, thank you very much, Carsten. Good to speak to you this morning. Thanks very much. So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guest this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback. And do join us again next week. I'll be back on Monday talking to more of my colleagues about what is moving markets. Until then, have a great day, everyone, and then a great weekend. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.